I just realized that the the person that I was putting out there publicly was no longer the person that I felt that I was internally. And I needed to go explore who that person was. And that is why I made the choice to like secretly go make a fucking record and just allow myself to crack myself over the head, fall apart, put myself back together again, reinvent what a comfort zone looks like to me and just say, fuck it. Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. We heard this recently a lot. With we were talking a long talk with uh, Meg Myers. Okay. And Meg, as she came to the, uh, an epiphany of sorts, to just r- d- dissolve everything that had gone before. Yeah. Nika Zologesis also. Yes. Yes. Very strong feelings from strong women, um, which is refreshing. Um, <laughs> it. Well, when I watched the, the kind of clips of Glastonbury this last weekend, I'm just going, oh, no. Really? <laughs> We're back where we started. A lot of dudes. Oh, God, a lot <laughs> of dudes. Self-congratulatory. Oh, God, you know, and it's like money, 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 money. Yeah. I mean, but that's that's powerful, of course, isn't it? Because like, I always think, you know, like when I was younger, I used to think life was like a series of like, you know, mountains. So there's one more mountain, now I climb that, and then I climb up another one, mm-hmm. like a straight line. And I realized as I got older, it's not. It's like concentric circles, you know, and you yeah. you get on one, and then depending on what you do, you either go up to the next circle or you, you slip down mm. one and have to repeat it all again, you know, which is what happens with, with a lot of things in life. Actually, I was reading this thing last night about, the fourth way and i can't pronounce the guy's name at all so i won't even try it on air because i'll mangle it but that's what he said about like you know this is concentric circles we we go up to one or down to the next one and stuff so it's very interesting to me but i mean me and budgie have found that we had to reinvent ourselves completely because we have like this you know if people don't hear from you for a long time, they have this picture of you as when you were 25 or 30. I still have that picture of me when I'm 25. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, you still look like you're 25, which is lucky, right? But it's like, you know, they they, they have that imprint in their mind. This is only the head you can see. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the reasons we decided to start the podcast, just because um, – we we wanted to let people know who we are as people yes. as opposed to like, hey, it's Budgie from the, the Banshees or Lowell from The Cure. You know, it's like, yeah. here we are as people and people are kind of surprised. Oh, they can talk, you know, and it's <laughs> like, like uh, what do they think? You know, It was like we did, we did kind of, we nurtured the mystery in the band, each member of the band. We It was yes. kind of like part of what we loved about bands and people we re- admired. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of, unknown stuff things you didn't need to know but also what happened to me was i I started to be much more interested in meeting people after the gig Mm -hmm. i I suppose it kind of coincided with was like 
I'd stopped looking for the party as much after the gig. Sure. And wanted to know about what it was like to live in, I don't know, Santa Cruz or whatever. And found that kind of was what was really uh, energizing me, you know. Um, you, you mentioned the word vulnerable and being vulnerable, which is not something you associate with somebody stamping up on stage. <laughs> I, I saw not much vulnerability in Glastonbury over the weekend, you know. It was like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Although, although we do know that people are very vulnerable, most of that's just the armor you put on, right? So yeah. yeah, but I suppose it's also, you know, revealing that that's a truth, and that sounds like what you're expressing. Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of it had to do too with like what we all just lived through with COVID and and experiencing the world in a really different way, where I. Because Best Coast was promoting, we had just put a record out at the top of, uh, in February of 2020, and we were out on the road promoting this record, and two weeks into it, the world shut down, we had to come home, cancel everything, oh, we'll rebook it, da 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 da, -da. nothing ever, it just went away. And I was like left with, I was left with myself and my thoughts alone in my home. I couldn't see, you know, my friends or my family. My, my partner at the time was living in Texas and it was just, it was crazy. Right. And I just started to really think about, particularly in those really early periods where none of us knew, like what the fuck is happening? I was right. like wiping packages down on my front porch, you know? Yeah, me too. I, I, really, <laughs> <laughs> I really started thinking to myself like, it, it's so cliche, but it was really a moment for me in just realization that like, oh, life doesn't go on forever. And like this, anything could change at any given moment. And I think when you're, particularly because I was so young when Best Coast took off and I spent the majority of my formative years in my 20s on the road, you know, it's like, it's not a real life. It's like summer camp. It's like mm. a person tells you when to wake up. They tell you when you have to be on stage. It's like your, your meals are delivered for you. It's like, I didn't really have to live in the real world. And when I would come home from tour, it was just like, you know, a holding period until the next tour or until the next record. And that was really the first time in my life that I was faced with like, what the fuck do I do now? Because I couldn't do my job. And I think that it really forced me to sort of open my eyes and be like, Bethany, this isn't going to go on forever. You have a choice to open yourself up to mystery, open yourself up to love, open yourself up to vulnerability, the world, etc. Or you can stay here and just be like a locked up, hardened, ice cold bitch for the rest of your life, you know? <laughs> and I think that I just realized that the, the person that I was putting out there publicly was no longer the person that I felt that I was right. internally. And I needed to go explore who that person was. And that is why I made the choice to like secretly go make a fucking record and just allow myself to crack myself over the head, fall apart, put myself back together again, mm. reinvent what a comfort zone looks like to me and just say, fuck it. Because I didn't know, I literally was like, is the world ending? I don't fucking know what's going on. None of us did. No. And so I really, I really would say that I I had a very life-changing awakening by way of the pandemic. Me and Budge both had 
periods in our lives when we, you know, things changed radically and, you know, you, you get sort of like, you're in this big machine, like you say, and all of a sudden you're like, and you're flying out in the air with no safety net and you think, well, what happens now, you know? Yeah. Uh, and we we both come through that. So the thing that's the thing that we identify with each other uh very strongly and and we we know what it is so so we can feel that and that was really what happened with the pandemic though but for the whole world everybody's suddenly thrown out in this thing and it was funny because like living here you know like i was either i'm either at home mm-hmm. or i'm on the road you know that's that's my two modes of, like last 40 years that's how i've lived right and to watch my neighbors who had regular, you know, employment and stuff, and they, yeah. <laughs> they they lost their minds, you know. Like after like month two, they were all making wood projects in their garage. Yeah, yeah, sourdough bread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it, it was kind of you know for for me it was like well it's the same as normal except you know there's wild geese flying over the house now for a change. <laughs> and there's nobody driving around, you yeah. know. So, um, but but uh, no, I, I get what you mean. It, it was it's like a period where we consolidated things me and budgie actually we'd we'd started things up just before the pandemic and we'd done a lot of work and then and then we kind of stopped and we've only really seen each other on this screen for the last you know few years but we're going to meet each other again later this year so it'd be fine oh good good well most of the people we we've like dan who looks after the uh the whole editing behind the scenes here i've never met dan you've met dan a lot i met dan i met dan at the world Festival. isn't that so funny there are so many people in my life that i work with or just people that you know that i've over the last few years have developed a relationship with on a screen that i'm like oh I've never fucking met you. I don't know how tall you are. I don't know. Well, that, that's it. You got it exactly there. That was the thing that bothered me, right? I thought I keep seeing Dan on the screen, and, that, <laughs> and if I meet him, what if he's four foot tall? Will I just will I be surprised or something? And I met him, and he's actually quite a tall guy. So that's so funny. So you got ice cold, bitch, and you wore a jacket in July. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the ice cold bitch and her July jacket. That's the name of my my memoir that I write about becoming a 36-year-old woman who softens herself. But yeah. Are you going to write, is, is the book on its way, uh, Bethany? You know, I I do think at some point I will write a book because as I mentioned, like I went to school for creative writing briefly, a semester and a half, but I've always written on the side, like not just music. And I do feel like it's, you know, I have an interesting story and I think that, I mean, everybody has an interesting story. You could literally talk to anybody. I find a lot, most people interesting. You could literally talk to anyone and be like, oh, that's a wild experience that you went through or whatever. Yeah. So I do think at some point I will, I will write something and share. There's a lot of stories people don't know about. I didn't share everything. I have some, <laughs> I have some tea to spill. <laughs> Well, that's good. That's good to know because, you know, like I've, I found, I wrote my first book about oh, 2016 and I found it very liberating and very much like writing music, but, but you know, it's a lot slower, obviously. But the same the same process of release and, uh, you know, creation from it was, was, was great. And 
Budgie's about to do his, so it's, you know. Oh, yeah. exciting. Budgie's been doing his. He's doing his. Not Yeah, he's not about to do it. He's doing it now. Yeah. I've been doing it for years. It's, it is. It's that, that first one, and you're thinking, what? what is all, well, how do you make sense of all this? Yeah, but that's. Ex- I think that's kind of like the exciting thing about writing in different formats is like it can just be whatever you want it to be. Like it really can just be you know, a collection of stories of your life that don't have a through line that can just sort of be like, here's this and this, and then this thing happened and this thing happened. And like, I have found that when I experience my life through words that aren't song, I judge it a lot less. Something about writing it is in song form. I'm just very critical, you know, and I'm like, well, this is my medium. So this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But when it comes to writing, I'm just kind of like, who cares? I just say what I want to say. <laughs> I've just been doing that for the uh, the next episode of this podcast. I think Lol always puts like kind of a, a, a synopsis of things. And then I kind of chisel it and bash it around. And <laughs> He's too modest. He turns it into something beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the nice thing about being on, uh, you know, Zoom or Riverside we're on at the moment. But we can see, I can see artwork behind you. And it's always lovely seeing what, what, what's going on. I mean, this is actually my house. I bought my house from a fellow musician and he turned the garage into like a studio space. And so I have this set up, uh, my, my, I actually just got engaged on Friday, so he's now my fiance. Oh, congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you. My fiance is a designer, and so he, I kind of let him have this space as his design studio. But I have like piano and amps and guitars and stuff. So we're currently swapped. Normally he's here, and I'm in an office in the house. But we had someone coming into the house for something, so we switched spaces. But yeah, it's it's. I agree with you. It's like. Not only do you get to feel like you're hanging out with somebody, but you do get to kind of like creep around in the background and be like, what do you have in there? What kind of person are you? You see a lot more. Yeah. Do you have a candle lit? Do you have incense burning? My son just got married this year and uh, like they share like this apartment up in San Francisco and they're re-deciding which, you know, who's, which bit's going to be my studio, which bit's going to be your studio, you know. It's important. I think it's particularly because he works from home and I work from home when I'm not, you know, in the studio or touring or whatever. And I think part of what makes a relationship work when you're around each other all the time is space. That's the thing that I've learned. Oh, you're damn (laughs) sticky about that. You're right. I mean, both me and Budgie have been married a fair bit of time. And we, I I think I've learned that fairly early on. You know, my wife is, uh, (laughs) she's, she's a, a, you know, she's a jewelry designer. She makes lots of jewelry. So she's always banging things and (laughs) firing things with torches, but she's also, um, pretty good surfer so you know oh cool i'm not a surfer so she's out at the beach you know like the dawn patrol you know surfing so there's plenty you know we get plenty of space and then i i go i go for little retreats up into the mountains and stuff you know with some friends and stuff and so yeah you give each other space it makes you know everything 
everything runs smoothly. I know. I I think when I was younger, I thought like if you had a partner who you didn't spend every second of the day with, I was like, something must be wrong in paradise. And now I'm like, when I see people who are never separated, I'm like, something is wrong here. <laughs> uh, and something usually is yeah. wrong like that if they're never separated. Things do go wrong. I know a lot of stories like that. I'm not going to name any names, but I do know some stories. Well, you could name, you could name mine, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was kind of a difficult, different situation, really. I mean, a professional relationship is rather a um, full time. <laughs> we, we were talking. We were talking to uh, Julianne Reagan on here from All About Eve. I don't know if she said it on the podcast or whether I, I can't remember where it came from, but she said, you know, bands you know, are really unreal things. You know, everybody's stuck together 24-7, driving in a small, you know, a, a small metal box up and down the freeways and stuff. For, you know, things are bound to go wrong, and then you throw alcohol in the middle of it, and it's really going to go wrong, you know? Yeah, and and being in a band is like being married to, like, you know, six people. <laughs> closer. Closer than being married. I, I, I've explained that to people. It's like you're with each other 24-7 for years. Gets, gets nasty, gets nasty. And then really stupid little things that wouldn't bother you normally become major. Like we used to have a guy, and I won't name his name, but but he never changed his socks. Oh, no. (laughs) Nobody, nobody (laughs) would want to share, you know, anything. No, no. And, you know, it's in the early days. Nobody's going to get in the van. But the nice part about it was you found, like, lost souls in a way, you know, that you became a family first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. And, like, I I say it all the time. It's, like, it is a challenging life, but it's also such a rewarding one because it's, like, I mean, I think about all the stupid fucking inside jokes that I have with the dudes in Best Coast and the crew where it's just like, you know, you're on tour and you're starting to go crazy and a thing happens that's like actually not that funny, but you just start laughing hysterically and then it becomes a years long inside joke. Like I don't have that with a lot of other people because it's like, it is this, it's this, it's a lifestyle that is so specific and people that don't do what we do don't really fully get it no they don't they don't get it they don't get it yeah it feels like a special relationship that cannot be replicated elsewhere so without giving anything away or too much away have you are you having to rethink have you give a lot of because you're going to be out promoting and probably going out live i know we are so we're, we're thinking hmm what are we going to do you know how are we going to do this <laughs> can't just go out and do the same thing right otherwise i'd look at the people i've been slagging off at glastonbury you know <laughs> going like hey how you doing glastonbury yes you're like oh no 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 can't do that no i think it's uh it's exciting i'm kind of in a period right now where i am trying to figure out like what is this going to look like live and how am i going to pull this off and you know, it's a, it's a very different kind of record. It's very different style of playing. I'm like reteaching myself how to play the guitar in a different way where I'm like, you know, I was playing like power, chunky power chords for a long time. And now I'm trying to play like open jangly chords. And so it's exciting to be in a position where I can sort of, uh, redefine who I am, not just as a person, but as an artist and a performer. So 
every area of the thing that feels scary because it's new, I try to like look at the flip side of that and be like, yeah, but it's also exciting. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to challenge yourself a little bit, you know, because if you don't, it's like, well, you know, life's difficult anyway, so you might as well make it exciting, even if it's going to be difficult, you know, it might as well be exciting for you. I was I was reading. Um, uh, I always do a beautiful guitarist. We had John McGeoch. He was back in the sort of early days of Susan the Banshees, and he said that when he joined the band, because he and I kind of joined full time at the same time, he says I was in a jangly period. <laughs> so he's doing a lot of like kind of arpeggio picking things, and he says, and they seemed to like that. So I carried on doing it, and it was like every every next every song we wrote had this this kind of beautiful picking guitar he says prior to that he was doing kind of big thematics like you know dramatic strident chord sequences so it it really does it can really steer the creativity not just of yourself but every and everything around you as well yeah um go on so you did a video as well yes i did a video i just watched the video i love the scream what 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 just oh <laughs> That's brilliant. That was my idea. And honestly, it only was like one or two. I think it was like the first or second take. But I uh, I wanted to have, I wanted it to just open with like a moment. It's a lovely moment. It's like kind of like, ah! Thank you. I also thought that maybe it would get me a role in like a horror film at some point. Maybe someone will watch it and be like, she's got a good scream. We're going to hire her for this budget horror film because I would do that in a heartbeat. But um. Yeah, it was just, I, I wanted to just, you know, um, start it out with a bang. And so I just kind of went out there and screamed at the top of my lungs. And the director and everyone on the crew was like, that was amazing. Let's keep that. And I was like, yeah, that was the point. I wanted it to be in. They'll <laughs> <laughs> be clamoring for it every show. Right? That's how I'm going to start. That's the. Yeah, that's how you should start every show. Just like darkness and then this big screen comes out. And then... <laughs> come back up you know how many times do you want to anyway you know it's like no <laughs> that's gonna be my walk on music for when i start touring this it's just gonna be the big scream <laughs> uh, why not so when do you think you're gonna start doing that have you got any dates for it yet or no i mean there there's like talk of stuff in the fall um so hopefully like september october i'll start to do some stuff and we're gonna try to put something together around release like you know end of july so the album's out end of july isn't it yes july 28th and it's so cliche to say but it's like the world has changed a lot and touring has changed a lot and everything is crazy expensive and it is just a different world out there yeah but as i said it's like I could look at it in a way of like, fuck, fuck, like, what am I going to do? Or I could look at it in a way of be like, all right, time to think on my toes and see like how to make this work, which is, it is exciting. It's fine. Like the first <laughs> single, right? Exactly. You just say, it's fine. And they can scream. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought um, I, I was going to introduce a new section to uh, Curious Creatures, and Lol doesn't know this yet, uh, but I was just going to say. Oh. No, are you going to surprise me? Yes, yes. I was like, 
I just ask, what's on your mind? Is there anything you wanted to say that just thought, you know what? Well, that's very that's very dangerous. <laughs> I like it, but it's dangerous. Yeah, I know, I know. It could be like you know, it, it could be like the corner shop stop selling my favorite, you know, juice or something. Anything on your mind today, Bethany? Huh? What is on my mind today? You know, I think something that was on my mind this morning when I woke up was. I think that I, well, I'll be honest with you guys. I had therapy before I came into this. So I had to do, I was doing a lot of processing with my therapist, but something that I'm really trying to work on right now, I think is getting outside of like black and white thinking where it's like, I think, I think kind of like what I was saying to you guys, where it's like, I could look at it and be like, this is fucked up. Or I could try to see the excitement and possibility in the unknown. I think I get stuck in this space a lot where I think it has to be one or the other all the time. And so I beat myself up for that where I'm like, how are you still doing this? And my therapist is trying to help me understand that it's like, both of those things are valid and it's about integrating them and sort of finding a middle ground where you can talk to the fearful voice and be like, Hey, actually, I think everything might be okay. I think that, you know, so that's just something that I was thinking a lot about today where I'm like, okay, I have to figure out like a mantra for myself. Oh, we have one. Oh, do you? We have one, don't we, Lol? Yeah. See, now we, we're synchron- synchronicity comes into it now. Oh, what is it? Lay it on me. We scratched it. Scratched for everybody who wants to uh, get your order our album now. You can find the scratch on the middle. It is, Lol? Yeah, it's a, it says nothing to be done and everything will be done. Ooh, I like that. We had this mantra for making this record because it's like because I heard it was from uh, a famous synth composer back in the seventies, and she was asked to you know write a lot of music, and she she pinned something like that to the door of the studio because she was petrified. You know, she lives up in in Northern California, and uh, she she was the first person to play the bugler synth, right? So she's very talented. Anyway, she um had that little phrase and I, I said it to Budgie one day and he's like, that's it. That's what we got to keep. So we keep that in mind because you know, nothing be done. Well, you, you know, there's nothing you need to do. Yeah. I love that. But everything will, will happen. And that's really the way. It's just that. How many times have we gone? Um, well, you know, well, you would look at the situation and go, this is what we should do. Yeah. And we, and we could both do it either separately or together. So like, this is really wrong, right? We should do this, not that. And we go, maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah and it kind of doesn't matter my my son told me something the other day that he had heard he said uh, this guy was talking and he said you know I, I I had this revelation you know I'm driving and I get stuck in traffic you know and I think oh my god I'm stuck in all this awful traffic and then it occurred to me that I'm actually I'm, I'm the traffic <laughs> I'm part of it I'm not in traffic you know and it's like that connected thing so it's like we tend to look at our problems or the things happening in our lives like this is something that's happening to me yes you know and it's not it's like we're part of it and and it's you know i mean without being too mystical oh it's deep that's deep john lyden john lyden summed up in pill that song rise i could be wrong could be right i could be right it could be wrong anger anger is an energy i mean when you strip it all down it's when you really like when you take away all the complications that our brain likes to put in the way of things it really is all just so simple like you know it's it's just 
these these concepts are very easy. It's like, you know, let let it go, let go. And it's like yeah. that is the easiest thing in the world is just to let go of something, right? But yeah. it's it's our brains that complicate it and are like, no, no, no. But if I let it go, this thing's gonna happen and this thing's gonna happen and this thing, you know, and it's like <laughs> it I, I'm I think part of getting older is starting to lean a little bit more into that mystical sort of side of just being like, you know what? Absolutely. Who fucking cares? I'm gonna just be out here saying like Everything's gonna be fine. I mean, that's the song. It's like it's fine. At the end of the day, like it, it all is fine. It everything is working the exact way that it's supposed to. I try my best to have faith that things are gonna work out the way that they're supposed to work out, and usually they do. Usually they do, and usually they work out a lot better than I had thought they might. You know, or they work out in a way that's so fantastic that I could never have considered it. You know, I didn't consider that. You know, it's sort of like. You know, in the latter part of my life, I'd been living in Los Angeles, having lived here for, you know, uh, the longest period I lived anywhere in my whole life and had a great life. Yeah. And great things have happened and, and feel very happy about stuff that's going on, you know. Um, just show, goes to show, you don't really know, do you? No. got a date set yet bethany for the wedding no it just happened <laughs> and the fun and like it literally just happened on friday and that's the first question of every like our whole families and friends and everyone's like so when and i'm like i, I have no fucking idea i'm about to put a record out like we are just gonna take our sweet ass time with this but was was, was he was he down on one knee he, he did the knee he no, did the knee yes, yes. it was sweet it was i i never really thought of myself as I mean, I always thought like if I met the right person, I would get married and have a kid and all the, you know, the traditional things. But I never really like I always felt very content, too, with the idea of like if I meet someone and we're together and we don't ever get married, that's OK. Or if I end up on my own, that's OK. And but it's it's very exciting. Like I, I I'm just trying to let myself be again, that vulnerable soft side of myself. I'm like, just let yourself be fucking excited mm -hmm. that you're engaged yeah. to a wonderful man who treats you right. And you know, just don't, but I'm very much one of those people that's like, I try to like push, like I'm like, Ugh. and it's like, no, just let yourself, just let yourself enjoy it. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, go ahead and enjoy it. Let's enjoy <laughs> the next, the next, see what happens next. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's been lovely talking with you and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. I loved this conversation. It was very nice to meet you both. And I'm a fan of both of your work, of course. And this is, a, I was very excited when I got this request. So thank you. Well, no, thank you. It's nice to show your garage and with all the nice <laughs> things I can see in there. <laughs> okay. Thanks guys. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas Kay. Music production, Jack Knife Lee. Assistant editor, Ben Miller. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at 
www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2023.